With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios, and this is the Tim McKernan Show. Yeah, you got me. What's up, girl? <laughs> it's August 21st. It's 11.04 in the morning. Central time, where all the money is. Right, bingo. That's the key right there. That's right. That's Jackson Burkett, and he had a hole-in-one three days ago. I did. I did, I did. Yeah. Feels great. It is a lovely feeling. And uh, And what year was your previous one? 2017. March 2017. 22nd or 23rd hmm. of 2017. So freshly 19 years old when well, the first one happened. Nice, nice. Now 25 when the second one happened. You think you lead to double digits? In terms of hole-in-ones? That's right. No. Cause, I, I say holes-in-one. Is it hole-in-ones or holes-in-one? Probably hmm. holes-in-one because nice. you're not hitting multiple ones. Well, I guess, regardless. Somebody will check with my nurse. Right. We'll have that for you next week. Uh I don't think so, no, because, I mean, it's partially luck. I mean, how many times have you hit a ball that's been, like, an inch and took one bad bounce or something or spanned one way or lipped out? Yeah. Like, that. Like it's kind of partially luck. Like, in uh, Jamaica when we went, I almost jarred one um, on the hole, and I didn't really hit it great, and it just almost went in. Sure. So, like, you know, that kind of stuff. I know great golfers, like incredible golfers who have zero. Have yeah. Right, so it's a weird it's, deal. Yeah. Uh, well, congratulations, Jackson. You can Thank write you. in uh, erotic stories to celebrate uh, for QFTA. That's what you should do. Absolutely. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Uh, QFTA, T-M-C-K-E-R-N-A-N at InsideSTL.com. I have, I've said it so many times, we have, we have a backlog of QFTA questions. And I said to you today, I said, we're going to get through, I'm, at the very least, I'm going to get through the ones that I've set aside that were sent in the month of August. Hmm. Now that means the ones that were set in July, they're still going to be on the burner. Right. But I'm going to get through these ones. And I don't want to say get through because that means like I get through. I, I want to answer them. And sure. there's some good ones. And we're getting great questions. But then I get caught up on one. So you know what I'm going to do, Jackson? Uh-huh. I'm going to put myself on the clock. It's dangerous. I never <laughs> go on the clock. Right. But I'm going to give at most 10 minutes to each one. And I'm okay. going to go through at least four. All what right. Think about love that? it. I love All right. it. All right. Clock has started for question one. Uh, and in van two and one. Oh, Mizzou football. I saw this over the weekend. What's up, Tim and Jackson? Been a listener for a little over six years. I grew up in St. Charles and started listening to the show after college. I'm also the guy who asked that Iggy question that got him the QFTA studio. I don't know what that means. Side note, he has been unhinged lately, and I fucking love it. I agree with that. I moved to North Carolina for my fiance's job in 2019, and we just moved to Long Island. Uh, a few months ago and also for her work jackson i'll take recommendations on anything long island i feel like you said your family is from there yeah mom's side uh tma has been my little piece of st louis while i haven't lived there for the past four years or so so thank you guys and all the tma crew for that my question's about the mizzou over six and a half bet now that i live in new york DraftKings is legal and the total is the same as the odds tim has been mentioning over six and a half when listening to the show these past few weeks, I've been agreeing with the sentiment that they have a good chance of shipping this over. However, when looking at the schedule today, I'm skeptical. I'm not a huge college football guy, so one of your guys' thoughts. I went to Missouri State, but my fiance went to Mizzou, so I still root for them and consider them my team. So I feel like my bias might be coming into play. When actually looking at the whole schedule today, I got skeptical of them shipping the over of six and a half. I listed all the games below and marked them as likely wins, maybe wins, and unlikely wins. Keep in mind, this is based off my not-so-great football knowledge. Also, the percentages represent the likelihood that I think Mizzou will win. Completely arbitrary percentages. Wanted to get yours and Jackson's thoughts. All right. He goes through them. Week 1, South Dakota. 
what percentage would you put that Missouri wins that game? 98%. I would agree with that exact number. He put it at 90%. So we're on the same page. Uh, week two against Middle Tennessee, what percentage? 98%. I would go 95%. But either way, you get the idea. He's got it at 90%. So we're all on the same page, 2-0. and Week three, Kansas State, win percentage, likelihood of a win percentage, Jackson? 51%. Mm, nice, game three. Um... God, it's, 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 I mean, I like 51%. It's like, to me, it's a coin flip. Yeah. You know, Ace King versus Pocket Queens, 52, 48, depending on the suits. Um, he's got it at 40%. So he's a little less than where me and you are yeah. on that one. It's warranted. Week four versus Memphis. What do you got that at? 60%. Okay. So good. That, that to me is one that people might be kind of just assuming. No, you yeah, can't. Uh, but it would be a big disappointment if they were two and two. With that's agree. for sure. With agree. Uh, he's got that at sixty-five percent. I don't mind that. I, I, I like where everybody is with their percentages. Week five at Vanderbilt. What do you got that at? Seventy-five percent. Okay, he's got it at eighty-five percent. I think I would go. I would go in the seventy percent range. Yeah. I'm the guy who might be the most bullish of anybody. Right. It's a road game, but it's a road, it's a road game, game in Nashville. Yeah, but it's just. It's, I don't know. I just. I. I, I every year. I feel like in college football, each conference has a team that you go, holy shit, what happened there? Both good and bad. Yep. Now, usually Vanderbilt is what you can kind of bet on being there, but James Franklin had some years. Sure. you know They gave him a run two years ago. So with that said, um, I'm, I'm still confident. Now we get into things getting real. Ideally, they're undefeated. Week six versus LSU, it's in Columbia. 32%. All right. He's got that one at 25%. So everybody's kind of in the same range. Uh, I would probably be around the 25 to 30% range, so I'm comfortable with that. Uh, week 7 at Kentucky. At Kentucky, I'll go 38%. All right. He's got it at 45%. So, again, the 7%. I would be in that range as well. I might yeah. be a little higher. Uh, week 8 against South Carolina. Now, this is where this is an interesting one because you're anti-Beamer ball. <laughs> I would go 70%. All right, he's got that at 60%. Uh, I would probably be closer to 60 but I agree on the win. By week nine, off to uh, the hedges, yeah, and they'll be between, between them. Yeah, uh, between. What percentage would you put on that? 8%. Uh, I would probably go in the 5% range. He's got it at 15%. I thought that was a little aggressive. That's a little aggressive. Uh, that essentially one in... That number would be accurate if it was in Columbia, not in Athens. Uh, week 11 versus Tennessee. That's in Columbia. That's in Columbia. 20, I mean, I'm going to go 30%, 30% flat. Um, I think Tennessee might be the one that you go, oh, what happened to Tennessee this year? That's what I'm thinking too. So I'm going to go on that 38%. So I am the highest on that of everybody. He's got it at 30%. Uh, the Gators in Columbia, week 12. I will go... 55%. He's got it at 65%. I'll go with 70%. Yeah, I know nothing about UF this year. Um, I think that could be one that's lurking near the bottom of the East. Okay. Missouri's kind of had and their number. And it's mid-November for a South team heading to Columbia, most likely not. Yeah. Gets cool in conditions. Gainesville, though. Gets cool. Uh, and then finally, in Fayetteville. In Fayetteville... I'll go 51%. Wow, I was going to say 52%. He's got it at 60%. Yeah, That's a little egregious. But the, with that said, yeah. everybody, we're kind of in the same ballpark on all of these. Here, Here is where I am to just make it to have it one place for all times. So we can go back and we can either go, oh, Tim was really right. Oh, Tim was really wrong. Of course, you always have this when it comes to football in particular, but even baseball. Injuries can blow everything up. And that's both for Missouri and that's for their opponents. Uh, secondarily, the biggest reason why I'm bullish on Missouri this year is 18 returning starters. Uh, another reason why I'm bullish on Missouri is the defensive coordinator, Blake Baker, is back in the transformation he played a role in leading last year. The third reason is Eli Drinkwitz isn't calling the plays. It's not a shot at Drinkwitz. It's just, hey, this is this is the situation, and now it's delegated. And I think there's some maturity in that. I agree. And then finally, there's a chance to really get some momentum at the start of the season without having, you know, take your pick of whatever in the first month, as in a couple of losses sitting there pretty likely. Last year you had at K-State, at Auburn, at home against Georgia, and at Florida? Yeah, yeah at UF, Florida. Yeah. I mean, four of the first six games I think that's was In Knoxville, yeah. 
that's a tough way to start the season. So you can get some momentum going. So with that all said, that is my reasoning. But, I mean, we're all on the same page as far as percentages go. Yeah. But the goal is to – so if you know, quote-unquote, no, and even – hey, man, you know, Eli Drinkwitz is on borrowed time if he loses to South Dakota or Middle Tennessee. Yeah. If he leaves September with anything less than four wins, it's going to be a problem for mm-hmm. him, considering what's on the back end. But with that said, it's certainly possible. But most likely, I think the number that would be, if you were get to set a number for wins through September, and that's five games, and that includes South Dakota, Middle Tennessee, at home against K-State, in St. Louis against Memphis, at Vanderbilt, the number would be what? That is going to hit the most if you play it 100 times. Um, How many wins? Over three and like three and a half would be the but number. But the total number, the exact number, would be four. That's four. what I'm saying. Right. So, um, if you're at four and you need to get three more, and you have coin flip ish games with Kentucky, Tennessee, Florida, and Arkansas, you're in a pretty good spot to get to seven, which no then covers. That's yep. that's that's my thought process on it. Um, mathematically, I like your chances. And again, that's on what I think is a, a, a low end of it. So that's that's how I arrive at it. Jackson, uh, you got to bet everything you own on what their final record is. What is it? Uh, final record? Eight, Regular season. Eight and four. Wow. Nice. Yeah. I think they have a pot, like if you're looking at the delta of Mizzou football, I think it's more likely that they do have like a great year than they have a terrible year. You know, more than likely. I agree with that. Yeah, I think the more than I likely case that. is that they have a seven or eight win year, um, possibly six. But I think if I had to lend it to more so great or terrible, I think that great is going to be the play just because they have an unbelievable wide receiver room. Uh, Cody Schrader's back in the backfield who proved to be effective last year. Drink's not calling the plays. The defense is back. My one concern is the secondary. They've had rough secondaries for some years now and they've yet to really find that either person or or just the the a collective unit to really shut down because the sec is in wide receivers is a long-standing relationship there are some sick wide receivers like the top five wide receivers in the nfl right now outside of like tyree kill i think are all like sec guys when you look i mean maybe not depends on who your top five is but Obviously, Jefferson and Jamar Chase, both LSU guys. So they have had some struggles in the secondary, but I think all those factors combined, I think they're in a really good shape no. to be special and then special in terms of Missouri years. I don't think that they're going to be uh, taking down Georgia and representing the SEC East in the uh, SEC championship game. But I think they can turn some heads, like wins against Tennessee, I don't think are out of the realm of possibility. Going to Kentucky and climbing that mountaintop, because Kentucky has had the Tigers number better than any team in the SEC uh, over the past seven or eight years. So I think they can turn some heads. Uh, there's almost always a game, we've talked about this before, there's always a game with Missouri that you're like, oh, they should win this game, and they lose it, and a game yeah. where they should lose, yeah, it's a game and they win. So you got to put that out there. I guess that would be like like a t- an example that would be like losing to Memphis but then beating Tennessee. Right. Yeah, you're right. That's something like that. Or you're Kentucky. exactly right. right. Uh, all right, uh, there it is. Ten minutes. We did it. Look at us. Look at us. Thank you to our sponsors for making the podcast possible. That's Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. Uh, and if you are looking to buy a home, get pre-approved with Ryan Kelly at thehomeloanexpert.com. That's what I have done, and that is also what I've done to refinance. Ladies and gentlemen, the great Ryan Kelly, sponsor of our studios, thehomeloanexpert.com, and he's looking to fight again, too. He's got his ninth annual climb for the kids. Uh, Ryan Kelly looking to scrap again. Once you get your home, get it insured with James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. He's online at carltoninsurance.net. He's bullish on the Tigers. He was in studio today on TMA, carltoninsurance.net. 325 five-star reviews from James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. He's online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. Good morning, Tim. All right, I'm starting the clock again, Jackson. Here it goes. Look at this. Is this it's like pardon the interruption now we got a clock? Yeah, it's very p- big PTI vibes. I uh, hope you are doing well. I was emailing in regards to a potential QFTA topic. I know you don't talk politics on TMA anymore, and for good reason, but wasn't sure about QFTA. No, I'll talk about anything here. And I was curious on your thoughts on everything surrounding Trump and the Republicans currently. Although I would not consider myself a set-in-stone Republican, I am certainly more conservative than liberal, yet I cannot fathom why anyone would vote for him, especially if he becomes a convicted felon. 
not to mention the multitude of other reasons as well as to not vote for him. He's a narcissist, acts like a nine-year-old child, doesn't care about anybody but himself, etc. Truly amazes me that people can't see that any other candidate would be better than him. Was just curious your thoughts on it all, but totally understand if you didn't want to discuss on QFTA either due to the current climate of politics, don't use my name, thanks. And then he gives his name, and I will respect that. Um, yeah, well, I, I can. I don't think we're going to need the full 10 minutes here, Jackson. I'll field this one. Here is the answer to his question. It's not where I am, sure. but it's the answer to his question. The vast majority, and this isn't this isn't me arbitrarily assigning it. I think we discussed this one or two weeks ago on QFTA, of Republicans, whether they be MAGA Republicans or just Republicans, do not believe he is guilty. And that's it. So even if he were to be convicted, it doesn't right. matter. So for you, I almost use your name, but for you, person who emailed in, and I'm now going to just delete it so I don't take the risk of naming or giving the name uh, you are coming from the mindset of you believe he is either guilty or you recognize there is a possibility that he could be convicted and become a convicted felon and then therefore go well I couldn't vote for somebody who's a convicted felon and I understand that and I'm not saying that you are wrong. I'm not saying that you are right. I am just saying here is the issue from where you are coming from is that the damn near every person who would identify themselves as MAGA, but more importantly, those who identify themselves as Republican, the majority of them, that's the big one there, uh, do not think he is guilty and think it's just another take your pick of whatever investigation, just throw another log on the fire. And therefore, um, is however you want to take this, as unfortunate as you may see it or as fortunate as you see it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And I'm watching this, and this is a, a podcast that uh, backed into um, 2020. I mean, I had been saying it, and you weren't – on Not, then, because you came aboard December, yeah. November, December 2020, right? December 2020, yeah. But I had been saying, I mean, winter is coming. I just kept saying it. And I think a colder winter is coming um, for 2024. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily know exactly how. I just, I don't even know how we can avoid it. Uh, 24% of Americans want, uh, I guess 24% of Democrats want Joe Biden to run again, or 24% of Americans want Joe Biden to run again, 30% of Americans want Donald Trump to run again. There's your math. Oof. And yet those are, you know, I mean, you could parlay it if you'd like. You'd probably be minus, I don't know what, 2,000? Right. That, that those, those are going to be your nominees. If somehow Donald Trump is kept from being the Republican nominee because of what is perceived as an injustice out to get him, which is, of course, what he is saying it is, you're going to have all hell break loose. Uh, I was watching an interview yesterday morning, and, you know, it's one thing, as weird as it is to say, um, for judges to get threats. Judges are, as weird as this might be, used to it. Uh, now, uh, the witnesses uh, are getting threats, and then the members of the grand jury who voted to indict Donald Trump on the latest one, uh, somebody published all of their names and addresses. And so you can imagine how that is going for those individuals. So th this isn't like a thing that I enjoy, but again, this is my little space where I just say, I mean, literally <laughs> exactly what is on my mind. I think I do that on both TMA. I just I don't have as much of a wide berth on TMA to talk. Um, and we don't talk about this kind of stuff on Balloon Party. But... I thought January 6th was rock bottom, and I thought, okay, it's awful, but now everybody will agree this has gone way too far. I think we have something way more substantial than January 6th coming in the next two years. Oof. And I don't even mean it, to me, if I, and again, obviously, you're not going to be able to get to bet that. Right. Because it's in a way, I suppose it's arbitrary because there are people who go, oh, the January 6th thing's overblown, or, you know, it was Antifa or whatever thing that may be said. Um, something is going to happen. I don't know if when that happens, it'll be okay, it's gone too far, or if something happens and it leads to 
something that we could have possibly never seen in 2023. I just I don't know how it doesn't happen. So I understand somebody asking, especially here's somebody who identifies as conservative, how people could possibly vote for somebody who's a convicted felon, and it's real easy. I'm not saying I shall. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying the important thing is is to kind of it's well it's up to you if you want to do it in my opinion it's important to understand the law the thought process because i wondered the same thing and the thought process is it's all made up that's where you arrive right and it's not the people who are like outside with a red hat on it's the people who would just be republicans um who go well it's 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 made up against him we don't necessarily like him and yeah he has his faults but you know because of your consumption of whatever wherever it is that you get your information it is being portrayed as oh well here they go again with donald trump and so those people are the ones who are really swaying it um i just don't i have no idea no idea how it's avoidable i think it's one of those things take your pick of whatever example you may want to use um that i guess death actually that'd be an easy one yeah you know it's coming right right but you just don't want to talk about it because it's not pleasant and that's how i would say the next uh 18 months are that that's i except i just don't know what it's going to be right but i i don't know how it doesn't happen i have no idea how it doesn't happen jackson you go through life with a much more positive outlook uh, do you see uh what do, how do you see it i i i'd love to put a positive spin on it but you're right i mean the guy lost an election and people don't didn't agree to you know they didn't believe it to be true what are they gonna do with a felony conviction you know they're gonna say the exact same thing he's built up uh and i think also our culture has coincided with he like if you are on his team, like he can do no wrong, and he and he is the answer. And so anything put in front of him, any adversity put in front of him, is is either planted or fake or this, that, or the third. And uh, he kind of stokes the fire, and that's kind of the reason he's sitting where he is. You know, it's kind of the reason why he has been indicted is because he stokes the fire, and he acts without jurisdiction to an extent. And so, and like my personal thing against Donald Trump aside like just looking at it from an objective view like you're right people will not it will not affect his his base like it will not affect convicted or not it won't affect that like now it could affect him running and that could be a whole nother problem you know like if he can't get the nomination because of this then we imagine have... what imagine how that plays right out. so you have that and then a running parallel to it and from my standpoint rightly so hunter biden's legal issues and, and Donald Trump can play that up, yep. and conservative media can play that up, and that is the foil. And there is something to be said for it. Joe Biden will not talk about it. He's on an, he does, he's running spots now. He had a big $25 million ad buy, and it's only limited to a handful of cities, which tells you why these two guys are running. You know Trump's going to win this. You know Biden's going to win this, and then it's going to come down to five states, essentially. Yeah. That's the reason for the very unpopular people uh, to be running for president yet again uh but you already know what you got and then it's like okay if we can get pennsylvania we can get control of the white house even though internally we think this guy is this or we think this guy is that depending on what side you're on so with that all said uh joe biden won't talk about hunter biden's situation and so republicans or fans of donald trump are going well so this is inconsistency and you have somebody from inside the administration leading this that gives uh, an image of impropriety and it certainly can be spun that way and so now you have ultimate distrust. As I always say, you're not debating philosophy. You're debating what is true and what is not. And people uh, point at each other like, you're the liar, you're the liar. I'm sure there are people listening to this who normally like talk of, you know, beating off on I-70 or right. getting angry because they view me as whatever they view me as. Um, I suppose what I would say is at this point, check the track record. And I've called a lot of the shots that have wound up happening in these things. And... I just, listen, I, I don't even, but I, at the same time, I don't even know what the good outcome could possibly be. What is the good outcome? What is the good, what is the best, and I'm not asking because then it's just going to get into wandering aimlessly, but what is the best outcome of what could take place between now and November 
2024. And, and, and keep in mind, you might go, well, for somehow this person to not run, you got to look at it through the, the lens of yeah, what would be the most, I don't know if the right word is unifying. I don't think unifying is in the American business model right now because the American business model is actually built on polarization. Right. That's the business model. Right. That's the business model. The business model of the media, a profit, for-profit business, is for division and is to focus on issues that, like, a handful of people give a shit about but then attach an entire group of people to. Right. You know? Right. And so... The business model is division, and therefore, even if there isn't division, what will be highlighted is division. And so it's just I don't know how it doesn't. Listen, I would love for it to be wonderful. I would love for a way to go. Here's what I think can happen. In a bit. I just, As I've said many a time on this podcast, January 6th was the moment where I go, oh, my God, I, I can't believe. Not that I couldn't believe that it happened, although I was stunned when it was happening. What I couldn't believe is how it became spun a couple of months afterwards, yeah. and that was where. So once that happened, now anything from my standpoint is possible. Uh, all right, next question. I think. I, let me see how long I went on that. Eleven fantasy fifty. It's not bad. It's not no, bad. No, it's not bad. It's in the wheelhouse. Uh, Tim Taylor Swift is currently re-releasing all of her albums as Taylor's version. I hear a thought on that which interested me. And I was wondering what you thought. I heard someone argue that it's not fair to the guy who owns the right to the original tracks because she is basically just ripping off his intellectual property, even though she created it in the beginning. As someone who owns the company which holds the right to TMA, and I know it's not apples to apples. Yeah, I was I was about to jump right there, but you said it, so God plus. And I know it's not apples to apples. It's not, you're right, because it's music versus a show that's new every day, but still, I kind of uh, see that point of it not being fair to him. I've heard all the people, day good, say good. Okay, I'm sorry, Jackson, we've, had a, we've got a situation. All good. I've heard all the people, day good for her, say good for her. He said day, but it, say good for her. She's taking back her music, but she didn't own it, and the guy didn't want to sell it to her. Whether that was a dick move or not doesn't matter. He didn't want to sell it. Also, I would love to have Rafe on the podcast or TMA sometime when they have a day off and y'all are short someone. I know that doesn't happen much, but I thought he would fit right in. Thanks. That's from Dan Murdick. Is that like a name where it's got dick in it and it's like made a Kevin up? Miller name? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't know. It I might think be it's real. It's real name. Name. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So I mean, you said the it's not apples to apples, and I would agree. Just for the record, as to why it's not apples to apples, uh, Taylor Swift did not have to uh, run a payroll in a radio station in order to have her intellectual property. That's what I had to do. She can sit down and and put music together. And uh, and and then recreate it. So that is that is the difference. I don't know what the question is. Did you see the question in there, Jackson? I'm not the question of like everyone saying good for Taylor for taking back her music, but is she screwing the guy who owned it originally? I see. Um, and to that, I say the artist should own their own music. Yeah, I, I, I. She can recreate it, right? And so then the market will determine whether or not what they want to buy, right? You can't recreate TMA. Right. You know what I mean? Like you can't recreate a segment from 2011. Right. So it's a, so it's a different. Th- so I don't know if he's trying to draw a parallel with TMA or just asking about an IP I think, question. Yeah, more so the latter. Just like what? Like where do you stand on on this? And to that, like I said, like she didn't own her masters, so she re-recorded them, so right. that she created new masters. And so if if they didn't have value, then the market wouldn't want it. Bingo. So as I've said with regards to, and again, this was one person who used it from a burner, but was how it was bad form for me not to just like hand over the intellectual property of TMA should I leave the show. Mm -hmm. I said, but Jackson, Doug, and Iggy, and Plowboy can do a show if I leave. Right. I'm not keeping you from doing a show. You would have every right to do a show. But TMA and... The content from 2010 to present day is the property of Inside STL. I don't really understand. And if somebody wants to buy it, Hubbard, whomever else, more than welcome to. Right. But that, the, but other than that, and I don't really see, like, it'd be one thing I was like, well, you guys can't do a show. Right. That would be fucking crazy. <laughs> that would be wild. <laughs> that would be out of character. Right, right. 
So, uh, yeah, but I, I also don't think too many people have a problem with him unless I'm completely off the mark on this. I have a problem with? My position oh. that the intellectual property of TMA is... It's the reason that we can do what we do. Right. It's why we've been able to move from station to station and keep everything together and the right. drops. Otherwise, I mean, those drops would have been on 590 now. Yeah, that would have been yeah, their property. Right. right. So, yeah, that it's the reason that we are essentially still around. So you got to, if you love the show and you love the drops and all that comes with it and, you know, what's going on over 19 years, well, that's right. in part because I fought for it and paid for it. And therefore, you can't have it both ways. Right. You can't celebrate the fact that it's got what it's going with the heritage and the drops and all the crap that's going on from years and the archives and the TMA all day. But then if I go, well, then I'm out, well, then you can't you can't have that. You can pay for it if you'd like, but just keep doing the show. And, you know, but the the drops from the old show, the archives are, are inside that's STS that. property. And I just... I don't think many people would have a problem, but maybe they would. I don't know. I mean, I guess if you don't necessarily understand. Right. That 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 would be the key. Like, cause, but that's not really who I'm, you know, looking to placate to. Right? Well, I mean, I, I don't want to placate, but I mean, it, it, it's not really all that complex. It's intellectual property. It's it's something that we spent money on. A lot of took risk on. So I don't know. I, I, again, I'm not sure that Dan is asking, but... If 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 I leave and you guys do a show, the the sh- and if the market determines that they love the show, it's not like you then can't sell to the advertisers. Right. Like it, like just like Taylor Swift, if the market determines that the market wants to spend money on it, then everybody can continue to go along. Right. And and again, it's not like I wouldn't sell TMA, mm-hmm. but if I leave the show, something that I have over the last thirteen years. If for a number of the years paid for, then I would have a value on it, and that's. But that, but that, again, there's a difference between that and saying, well, then you know, Jackson, Doug, and Iggy and Plowboy can't do a show. I mean, I wouldn't say that at all. Yeah, that wouldn't be that would be untrue. And right. Yeah, it's pretty cut and dry. There's not much in the margins. There. Right. So I don't. I don't I'm, but I'm, I'm I'm trying to make sure I'm, for the purpose of just allowing to have everything in the discussion. I'm trying to figure out what a devil's advocate position would be on my own right I don't know if there if there is one but it's not but it's not like I've caught a bunch of hell about this I mean first off I'm not planning on leaving the show right number one but secondarily uh, yeah I wouldn't just hand hand it over right like if you had to ask when, when I when I when I guarantee when I personally guaranteed money and I took on the payroll for everybody nobody goes hey I'll put money in right when we were bringing the plowhawk over I asked if anybody else wanted to put money in you know that didn't happen, and that's fine. I understand that. I'm not. I'm not it's not a complaint. Right. But if I take on the risk and also the, the expense, then wouldn't it stand to reason? I don't know. But maybe people don't see it that way. But again, I think I think anybody who's ever owned a business would go, well, yeah, of course. But then if you haven't, then you just think emotionally and whatever is convenient for what you like. Then you might go, no, fuck you, because right. I don't like it. Right. You don't buy a house own it for 20 years and then when it's time to move and sell you just hand the deed over to your buddy you sell that motherfucker <laughs> very nice yeah so but I also if you lived with me I wouldn't say well now you don't have a home you can drive your own home <laughs> right or you're cut like right. yeah right right so yeah I don't know but again I don't I, I think we might be spending time on something that might not necessarily be right. a, a topic and I'm not even sure this gentleman is is Dan is is trying to draw a parallel because he specifically said it's not apples to apples. I'm just trying to understand the question. But something send in a follow up, right. Dan. You have a roommate and and then you leave, and not only can they not live with you anymore, but you, they can't live anywhere. Right. <laughs> you can't own another They're home. Completely out. <laughs> They're completely out. Hey, uh, tell me about Mark Hanna, would you? Because I know he's your. Uh... Yeah, he's my guy. Yeah, he That's my guy right there. That's who I work with. That's who Doug works with. Pro Joe works with them, and a number of our listeners work with them, and they all say the same thing, man. Mark Hanna is the best in the business when it comes to just communicating stuff to his clients. He's got a ton of wisdom and knowledge, and he's really good at like the financial game, like just straight up. But the intangibles with Mark Hanna, when you get on the phone with him, he's such an intelligent, wise human. He understands humanity just in general, but the way he can equate that to finances is what makes him so special. That's why I work with Mark Hanna, because I can get on the phone with him. If I present him an issue or something I want to change with my plan, he can help me out, help guide me through all that, talk me through it, because he's has all these years of experience, and he conveys his message 
oh so well to his clients. That's why I work with Mark Hanna. That's why you should work with Mark Hanna. 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. Seth Goldcamp is with Design Air Heating and Cooling, and he will save the day for you if you're listening to this in this week of uh, August 21st. 2023 in the St. Louis area, it is hotter than the fires of hell. So if you run into problems with the air conditioning, go to designairservice.com and work with the great Seth Goldcamp and Design Air Heating and Cooling. It's designairservice.com. I'm a client, and we recommend you become a client as well, designairservice.com. Jamie Burkhardt, Clayton Patterson, Peter Munganast at Munganast, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. It's Munganast, St. Louis Acura, and altontoyota.com. That is where you can go shopping, and you can use the secret number. To contact them anytime you would like, 314 252 0029. Call or text. And even if you didn't get your car from Munganast, get it serviced at Munganast. Munganast, St. Louis Acura. And Alton Toyota, go shopping now at stlouisacura.com and altontoyota.com. Jackson, we're knocking, we're knocking them out. Knocking them this out. This clock thing. All right, here we go. Final August email. Kanishua, Timothy, and Jackson. On a recent episode of the award-winning TMA podcast, a texter correctly predicted an Iggy story hours in advance of its retelling, but something about Iggy's reaction just didn't sit right with me. How could someone predict something so random with such precision? I think there are a few possible explanations for this phenomenon. A, Iggy only has so many stories and he repeats them often. And textures send numerous predictions daily, but like a slot machine, only a number ever really hit. Without access to the text line, though, listeners aren't aware of the volume of these predictions and how many of them don't pan out. All right, both Jackson and I see the text inbox. I would say that maybe of the, let's say we get a thousand texts per show, I would say maybe 10 of the 1,000 are, so 1% are an Iggy prediction for a story. Would, would you agree, agree with would it? Agree. I, okay. Yeah. So it's not like people are sending them in. So no. I can give you a little peek, Jackson. I can give you a little peek behind the curtain. Number two, Iggy has a burner phone number that is not recognized. Jackson's shaking it off away. <laughs> By other members of the show and sent in the prediction himself as a sketch or bit now because it comes they come from a bunch of different people, uh, including people who have saved names. Right, he can't like he can barely f- figure out his one phone. How's he going to have a burner? That's, good, that's a really valid point there. This seems unlikely due to Iggy's luddite nature. Oh, there we go. But he was caught taping a call to play on the Jim Rome show and texting a photo into the show to see the conversation. Number three. Iggy had an associate send in the prediction as a planted topic and then proceeded to deliver on this to know. Zero percent. Wow, this is amazing. These are the, but this is great. We're getting TMA conspiracy. It's option A. It, option A is the. It's what he has a, a finite amount of right, stories. That's it. Yeah. And he's I been mean, on the air for like thirty years, so you've probably heard them multiple times. So yeah, that is <clears throat> absolutely. But like I said, he didn't know how to screenshot on his phone up until a few weeks ago. I'm still not positive he knows how to. So burner <laughs> phone out, and then a plant. He did try to plant one time. Yes. He sent in a picture of Lana Rhodes, but That's he sent it, it from his own cell phone. That's right. Like, we, none of us know his phone and number. And I recognized the number, and it wasn't saved. And I'm like, God, I know that number. I'm like, hey, that's your number. Right. And <laughs> Yeah. And so that one of the... I've worked on the show th- almost three years. I don't know if I've laughed harder or been more stunned by a moment than that. So... Um, did he deny it at first, too? He was like, no, I didn't. <laughs> They're like, well, yeah, you did. It's, it's like, oh, number. okay. Uh, he figured he uh, found no way out. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was the housing <laughs> days of being back there with him. And at one point, I'll tell a quick story. And it only is funny because he didn't uh, get hurt. But there was a moment where he's really leaning back into a chair. Someone, I guess, had a story. And I hear a crack in the back of his chair uh, split in half. And all I see is Iggy's two feet straight up in the air down on the ground from falling in the chair and i was that was i was like you okay and he said yes and then i started laughing oh, yeah god. so no it, option a oh god yes i agree uh he went on to ask further questions but yeah i, I shared you it's without question that's what it is i don't know what the you know there was earlier this year where he was like silent for like a month for the most part mm-hmm. and now here recently he's just been reinvigorated. <laughs> I mean, for real. I, I don't. I don't know. So yes, it's option A, and it's not even a question to me that it's option A. Yeah. Like I'm a hundred percent all in. No. Uh, let's see what we got. Um, I'm gonna be able to tend to more. I'll do one more. Uh, no, this is this. We tended to this one. This was about the Arnado thing. I just didn't delete it. Um, 
Uh, hey, Tim, on today's show, now this was sent on July 27th. On today's show, you mentioned that it will become evident that building stadiums downtown will have been a mistake for some teams and cities. I don't think I said it that way. I'd be not, surprised if you said it that way. Yeah, I'm, I don't think I said it that way. I said I, th- I don't think that that, I think it's kind of dogma for some St. Louis-type cities to build stadiums downtown. Um, and this gentleman says, could you elaborate on that? So the only thing that I'm saying is I just, it's it's what we're all used to if we are of a certain age. But I'm just telling you, I just don't, I, I mean, this gets into a much bigger conversation. I feel like it's a conversation people, I get asked, I really do get asked. This isn't like I'm getting DMs. <laughs> <laughs> but I do get emails about, hey, it'd be great if you could have this city leader on or that. Honestly, it's just not where I am anymore. Right. Uh, first off, we're just not really doing guests on here. Anyway, um, my focal point at the moment are my shows and uh, in Sound Story. Sound stories uh, now, as I've talked about here, we've completed a first round of uh, investment, hired a GM. Mark Monavani is our chairman. It's a it's a whole new world, and it's where my focal point is. And so to bring guests in, it takes a lot to do that. And I know some people go, well, how hard can it be to make a f-? I'm just telling you, it takes a lot. And I just, I can only do so much. And I have two young children and a wife. And it gets to a point where, you know, that you can't spread yourself so thin. Although I love doing interviews and who knows what the future will hold, but in the moment, but I'll get asked about it. It'd be great if you could have this city executive on or this business leader on. It just, for the life of me, the thing with downtown St. Louis, and it, it becomes, it becomes a personal conversation. And I don't really know what that is. I'd love to psychoanalyze it. We did a little bit of that Jackson, maybe last week or two weeks ago with the Nolan Arenado thing mm-hmm. and the news and how that was rejected. Mm-hmm. It, it not based on merit, but you know, as we dug into it, I just don't want it to be true, so therefore it's not true. Right. I don't know how one could spin the state of downtown St. Louis any way other than negative. I feel like I have more credibility on it because I chose to live there in my 30s, too, nearly in uh, in my mid-30s, and have been a St. Louis City resident for the vast majority of my life. It's where I grew up. I don't equate, though, downtown to living in the city limits. You live in the city limits now. Um, there is nothing I wanted more for St. Louis than to have a resurgence in downtown St. Louis in the early 2000s, and I thought the ballpark would lead to that. It's just, I just, I don't see it happening. I just don't see it happening, but I also don't think that means it's the death of St. Louis. Right. And I feel like... The dogma I'm talking about is that you have to have a thriving downtown to have a thriving region. And I used to think that. And that is something that I, you know, I, again, I, I can think of some places, and I, but I haven't been there in a while. Phoenix, L.A., Houston. Are there any that come to mind that are big cities that, that don't necessarily have, like, downtowns that are... Yeah, L.A. would be, like, the one where you, like, Phoenix is definitely one, but it's a spread-out city, just like Houston's a monster. I'm talking, you know, square miles. Right, right. Vegas might be one But, I mean, L.A. isn't just L.A. I mean, it's the, what do they call that, the Inland Empire, is that what it's called, or whatever the hell it is? It's all of, I don't know, I feel like Orange County up to above L.A. Point being, um, I don't think that you need to have that. And I think that's kind of what the mindset was in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s that you need to have. it. I just don't think you do. And I think that now because Bush Stadium is still relatively speaking new and all the money that's been invested in Ballpark Village and then you also have City Park. I don't think that this is something that's necessarily like going to be visible to St. Louisans within the next decade. But if slash when, well, I mean, there hopefully will be a when the Blues or the Cardinals, I don't think City Park is on the verge of needing to, uh, you know, they're in five months in here, build a new facility, my bet would be it will not be in downtown St. Louis. Hmm. Now, what this is doing right now for many people listening to this is it's rocking their world would be overstating it but but coming as a surprise sure. it's coming as a surprise because that's all you've known it's all right. I've known mm-hmm. I just think I just don't think it, I just think 
it'd be better suited to do kind of what the Braves did. I mean, mm-hmm. they pulled the plug on Turner Field within, I mean, shit, that opened in 97 because the Cardinals played the Braves in 96, and that was the last year. They played them there in 97, and I don't know, it's called Truist, Truist now. Truist Park. Was SunTrust. Yeah. And it's been open for five years, I feel like, ballpark. Yeah. yeah. And Yeah, because when the Cardinals played them in 2019, they played them in, in Truist, SunTrust. Truist, yeah. And I think that was either its first or second year. Yeah, that sounds right. Point being, Turner Field was only open for two decades. It has to be the shortest-lived right. baseball stadium in recent history. And why did the Braves do that? For those of you not aware, they did it to move to the Population Center. Why? Because downtown Atlanta, where Turner Field, which was part of the Olympics in 96, was not the Population Center. Right. I think it was on the other state of whatever interstate that is Dante's Inferno when you're driving through Atlanta. maybe? It might be. Yeah. Uh, from Fulton County Stadium, which was the Braves played when I was growing up, and I went to some games at Fulton County Stadium. Anyway, um, yeah, that's the move. That's it. That's the move. And and by the way, if you are a longtime listener of this show, or Balloon Party for that matter, because we talked about it, you may recall Gene McNary, the county executive in the 80s, talking about um, the St. Louis football Cardinals and possibly an NBA team building their venue where I believe – what is now known as Hollywood Casino Amphitheater is, mm. more commonly to St. Louisans, Riverport. Or it's where Rams Park wound up being, now Lufus soccer fields. Um, but the city businessmen, also known as Civic Proce- Progress, did not want anything moved out of the city limits. I just think those days are over. And it's a, it's a, it's a long, I suppose it's a good bet because I, you know, I'll, this is the, whenever this comes to fruition, it'll probably be 20 years um, but yeah, that's how I, that's, I'm very comfortable with saying that. He also says, uh, I moved to Kansas City from St. Louis about four years ago, and the Royals are in the middle of deciding whether to build a downtown ballpark, they want their own ballpark village, or a North Kansas City ballpark. I'm curious of your thoughts, downtown stadiums being an issue. It's not it's, they're being an issue. I just think that downtowns being critical to a region's success is outdated. Right. I think it is outdated. And I think it's maybe more of a phenomenon of cities usually east of the Mississippi River. Obviously, St. Louis is on the banks of its older cities. Yeah. Where are the cities that I'm talking about that don't necessarily have thriving downtowns? To the west. And the Sun Belt or West Coast cities, uh, you know, I mean, Las Vegas now is having stadiums. I realize, but if you've been to Las Vegas, you know that downtown Las Vegas isn't exactly killing it. You'll be there in 48 hours, Jackson. Yes, sir. You'll see it. Yes, sir. The Strip is where... That's where the action is. That's where the action is. It's also where more of the money is, uh, at least has been. And uh, the Raiders built their stadium on the other side of the interstate. And the A's are building their stadium closer to where the Raiders is. And the Golden Knights play on the Strip as well at T-Mobile. T-Mobile, yeah. It's just, it's just, it's just the way that the population's growing, and people are going, okay, I don't really need. Now, what you could have happen is real estate gets so cheap that then you've experienced some semblance of an economic cycle, that then people start reinvesting in downtowns. At the moment, though, I just think that it's, it's a, it's a, it's an old school, kind of twentieth century mindset that the downtown. And listen, I want the, I want, I would love for downtown St. Louis to be thriving. You also need money. You need young people with money. And I'm talking about, like, you know, real money. Innovators, business people, young people who aren't necessarily from here as well wanting to live here. Can it happen? You know what You know what area right now is experiencing a huge boom? Obviously, you could name any city. Uh-huh. You might be right. But Salt Lake City. Oh. A lot of outside. I mean, what a, what a, a state that is really, I mean... One of the perhaps most rare in the United States because the perception is, well, if you're not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, you can't be there. And 50% of the population is Mormon, Uh, but they've had a tech boom. And so a bunch of people have moved to Salt Lake City and they're going, oh, this is great. It's not expensive. You can get this, you know, if you like outdoors, you've got all this right there. Certainly. Um, So St. Louis could be... That uh, wouldn't necessarily have some of the reasons, but if you would have said to somebody 15 years ago, you know what's going to experience a boom is Salt Lake City. Went, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> right. 
So it could happen, especially if thing, the, the time to buy is when a stock is at its lowest, and St. Louis's stock is perhaps at its lowest. So, but, I'm, but still, along those lines, I'm just making the point over and over again that the dogma that those of us who, whether you be in your 20s or 40s or in between, and certainly older, you grew up with Bush Stadium being downtown and then the Dome being downtown and then take your pick of whatever you want to call it now, Enterprise Center being town and now City Park. And then it's the place you visit to go to games and then it's the place you leave. It's just not, it's just not a sustainable thing. And, and in the whole scheme of things, honestly, I know it sounds, it sounds it, it, but I was Mr. Downtown. Mm-hmm. Sounds blasphemous. Who cares? Who cares? What is it in the whole scheme of things? Who cares? You can't force people to live there. Right. You can't force businesses to be there. You got the one percent city earnings tax thing. That's another issue. Now, maybe if St. Louis, but you could say St. Louis gets its act together. The Gene McNary, Vince Shamel story of the football Cardinals shows that this is not new. Right. You may not like Tashara Jones or Sam Page, but guess what? This was going on with Vince Shamel and Gene McNary in the 1980s. So uh, I, I look at it and I just think that the downtown thing is not a necessity. And I feel like it's it's unchallenged thought that is passed down from generations that came before us, i.e. dogma. That is where I'm coming from. Jackson, you have any thoughts on this? I have two thoughts. What are your thoughts? I'm anxious to hear it. Uh, I don't think downtown can ever see a resurgence until the city and county merge. I don't see how, because until then, you're going to have the 1% earnings tax. There's going to be issues with downtown, too too much red tape. I just don't think they'll ever, we'll never really see growth in the downtown region until that happens. Uh, Secondly, the trend is at the moment to move out of downtown. Chicago is a, city with a yeah. with a bustling downtown and the bears are looking to head to arlington now they'd be disingenuous to say it would just be because of the downtown thing soldier field's the oldest stadium it needs updating it's not great so they're trying to move to somewhere better and arlington certainly has that option for them but that's a city with a big downtown region with young people with money right. and people who aren't from chicago living there and they're looking to move so it wouldn't be uncommon to see we've seen it at texas teams i like you know ton of texas teams have moved out of downtown regions now the opposite of that is a city like philadelphia where they have all four of their sports teams playing essentially in the same parking yeah. lot like they're it's like they've created this complex i think a model like that if you want to keep stuff in downtown is better than like what st louis kind of has where when the rams were here and now with city like bush stadium where it is and then north of that the dome and then west of that the enterprise and even further west of that city park like i think if it was all in one kind of area you could see like apartments opening up around that and stuff kind of spreading out but right now it's like you have ballpark village near um the stadium for the cardinals you had nothing by the dome uh, i guess crown candy's in that region but it doesn't necessarily move the needle um enterprise center doesn't have much around it and then city park has maggie o's and a couple other bars around that and some areas there but in union station which is also kind of by enterprise center but like you can make a lot more if everything's kind of in one area but where, where it is now it's spread out people don't hang around there if they do for a carnival game it's to go to ballpark village and then nowhere else like or maybe patios or something, but like it's just not it's just not how I think cities need to be. I think you're right that it is outdated for downtowns necessarily to be like the place to be. But if you're coming in from out of town, you're gonna go downtown. It's where the arch is, where most people the only the only picture you could show somebody outside of St. Louis to identify what St. Louis is is the arch. So people are gonna go down there and that's what they're gonna identify with the city, but I don't think it's necessarily necessary for it to be bustling. Your thoughts are welcome on that topic. Uh, T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Also, erotic stories coming in for Jackson's Hole-in-One celebration. That's what that's what we're doing. You send in erotic stories to celebrate Jackson's Hole-in-One. Right. And uh, and for no other reason that, but that. Yeah, exactly right. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Thank you to all of our sponsors who make the podcast possible. That's Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert.com. That's Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. That's Jamie Burkhardt, Clayton Patterson, Peter Munganess, Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. That is is James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency in Webster Groves, and that's Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling. For Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been QFTA, the Tim McKernan Show podcast.